Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored by Robert Marcus, dedicated in honor of uh, Rabbi Shlomo Farhi and Rabbi Ariel Mizrahi. Hazaku Baruch, beautiful. Uh, Breakfast in the Class also dedicated in memory of Irving Hara, Lava uh, Shalom, Leulina Shmat, Ezra Ben Nisim, sponsored by his grandson, Murray Dayan. Can I have the text you sent me on Friday as well, Aaron? Um, as well, um, the week of cold brew is sponsored anonymously. I wonder if there's any point in making an announcement or putting up a sign that it says it's sponsored anonymously, because obviously, if you don't know who it is and you're drinking it, I guess maybe you should uh, give credit to where credit is due. As well, uh, we have a holdover uh, from, of sponsorship uh, where uh, the last one uh, was sponsored, which is uh, by Serene and David Azar, dedicated in honor of Rabbi Shlomo Fari. Azar Baruch. I'm going to get a big head, by the way. This is uh, too, bit, too, uh, it's too much. Week of Cold Brew is dedicated in loving memory of Sam Isaiah. That's from uh, the last one from the last Shi'ur. And as well, sponsored by Desiree and Elad Dror in celebration uh, of the birth of their son. Same as last year. Don't look in the account, okay? Hazaku um, Baruch All right. We are, now, uh, we are now in the week of. You know, there's a, there's a scary terminology the terminology that we hear in the summer, there's a scary terminology. This terminology is Shavua Shechalbo. During the week that Tisha B'Av falls out on, so there's a lot of rules that are uh, decided by the fact that we're in Shavua Shechalbo. Nachon Shmuel? There's certain things we can't do if Tisha B'Av is such a sad day. So from the week that Tisha B'Av falls out on, we already, there's lots of things we can't do. Uh, you know, in, in terms of shaving and in terms of uh, showering and in terms of wearing fresh clothes, all the, the clothing, all these things, Shavua Shechalbo. And I always thought it's so interesting that we have Shavua Shechalbo only for Tisha B'Av. Where's the Shavua Shechalbo for, for uh, Pesach? And what's even more interesting is our rabbis tell us that the day of Pesach falls out on the same day uh, as the day of Tisha B'Av illustrating a concept that the two days are linked. That the, the devastation and the churban of Tisha B'Av is connected with our ultimate freedom. And our rabbis tell us that the Mashiach is born on the day of Tisha B'Av. So we see that these two concepts are linked in some way. So we are now in the Shavua Shechalbo of Pesach. So we're already part of, the same way you have a Shavua Shechalbo, of its sister holiday, we're in, the sister, in that same week now of Pesach, and it behooves us to start getting really in the spirit and in the mindset for, the, uh, for Pesach. And where do I find this? The idea is actually first expressed in the Haggadah. In the Haggadah, we ask, when is a person obligated to start speaking about Egypt, about leaving Misraim? And the Haggadah, it says, Yachol Mirosh Chodesh. Maybe you have an obligation from Rosh Chodesh Nisan to start saying over all the stories. Right? Tamud Lomar Bayomahu. What is Bayomahu? Right? What is the day? The Bizman, the Shematot Morim, Munachim Lefanecha. Right? In the time that Matzot Umrorim are placed in front of you. My friends, that means that the Gemara had to come and give you a Dirasha to tell you that you don't have an obligation from Rosh Chodesh Nisan. But to think that you don't have to prepare from earlier, that the Gemara now doesn't say. If you think that you're going to turn up on the night of Pesach 
and already have what to say and already be able to keep everyone involved at the seder. Just off the cuff, you're making a mistake. You know what? All your kids, they know all your material. They heard what you said last year and the year before and the year before. Take a few hours. Listen to some classes on Torah anytime. Go back to the, to the vaults of, you know, we have lots of classes from Pesach last year if you want. Uh, open up a sefer in Hebrew or in English. Prepare some stories, some ideas, things that your children, your wife have never heard. So it's a little bit more exciting. So you come to the seder with goods, like they say. You don't want to come. Imagine coming to the seder with last year's Korban Pesach. It's rancid, it's rotten, it stinks. Right? Same thing. You know, you got to come with a fresh element, um, uh, uh, a chidush in what it is that we're talking about. So, Rabotai, I want to talk just for one second about uh, the night of the seder and one of the beautiful ideas that's expressed in the seder itself. You know, <coughs> the Torah tells us, And you will speak to your son, you will tell your son or your children, Bayom Ahu on that day. Illustrating that there's a concept and an idea that a person, every person, has an obligation to teach their children about Yisiat Misraim. Says the Haggadah, Keneged Banim Dibra Torah. Echad Chacham, Echad Rasha, Echad Tam, Ve'echad She'eno Yedea Lish'od. There are four different types of children. Uh, the child that's wise, and he asks one question, What's the, the question of the Chacham? Right? The question of the Chacham is, what are all these laws, Edot, V'achukim, Mishpatim, what are all the laws and the statutes and the, and the mitzvot surrounding, what did God command, what are all the laws that God commanded you? And the, and the Haggadah tells us, you should tell him the laws from Aleph until Taf, until the very last Halakha of the night, which is in Maftirin Ahar Pesach Afikoman. That you don't, there's nothing that we eat after the Afikoman. A person's supposed to have the taste and the flavor of the Afikoman in their mouth uh, afterwards. So you don't eat dessert after the Afikoman, okay? The, the Rasha asks a question, and his question is, What is all this work that you guys are toiling under? And he excludes himself from the Jewish people. And you also push back on that child and tell him, What do you mean? Uh, you, you know, you're telling me Lachem for you and not, not him? You know what? God did, uh, took us out of Egypt. He took me, leave it, lo, lo, right? If you would have been there, lo, hayanigal, pushing back a little bit more harshly in the Rasha's case. Tav asks, mazot, you know, you tell him the laws about what Hashem did, why, you know, you tell him the story. What is this? He asks a simple question. And finally, no idea. Sits there like a dib. You have to open him up Softly, gently. Rabutai, I always thought that this was such a strange idea. Why? The idea of teaching your children about, uh, about the Haggadah is not the only obligation that you have to teach your children. We have an obligation to teach our children everything. One thing that we say every day is, Vishinantam Levanecha. What is that mitzvah? The mitzvah Vishinantam Levanecha. What's the mitzvah? The mitzvah is to teach your children. Torah, that's the mitzvah, correct? Not only that, by the way, we know that Abraham was chosen to be one of the, the avot, the Jewish people were given the mission of being the chosen people. Why were we given that mission? Because the pasuk says, because I know ki yida'ativ, he's going to bring all his, 
his house, his children, they're going to follow me. So you see that being part of the Jewish people is teaching your children to follow in the ways of Hashem. So if this idea of teaching children applies everywhere, why is it that the only time we have this idea of there's this kind of kid, and there's that kind of kid, and there's this kind of kid, and that kind of kid, and all different kinds of questions, and all different kinds of answers, why is it that the model of, of these different children and different styles of education only appears on the night of Pesach? Very, very powerful question. It should say, V'shinantam levanecha, Dechad chacham, Echad rasha, Echad tarchad Right? The mitzvah of chinuch applies to teaching your ch- child all of the mitzvot. It should say again, Echad chacham, Echad... How come only... Over here, do we find this example of the children and the different kinds of kids? My friends, I think there's a very powerful lesson here, and that is as follows. You know, most of the time, the teaching, the way we teach our children, is actually not through what we teach them. Most of the time, the way we teach our children is by modeling what it is that we want them to do. As an example, like the Pasuk says, bam. Literally, people think means you will speak the words of Torah to the kids. But over there hasn't yet mentioned the kids. What it means is, if you want to know how to be so then let them see you speaking about the Torah. When you wake up, when you go to sleep, when you're traveling, if this is the situation, then that's then that's when they realize that something is important. You know, someone just told me, you know, uh, we did a long drive, uh, you know, six hours we were in the car doing a long drive for Pesach. They put on the Spotify stream, Rabbi, and we listened to you for six hours. I said, Dachilak, even I would be sick of me after six hours. My wife, six minutes. My children, six seconds. But six hours, who could last that long? That sounds, I don't know, like Gehinam to me. Either way, but the point is, right? People see you get in the car, what do you put on? You put on a shiur. People see you're tired, you're falling asleep, you have a sefer. I, my entire childhood, every Friday night, consisted of watching my father fall asleep with a sefer open in front of him. My father-in-law, you will find him every single Friday night without fail at the table. He doesn't fall asleep in his bed Friday night. He falls asleep at the Shabbat table with Sefarim open in front of him. The kids see, look, he's studying until he has no more strength. Like the Lashon of the Shulchan Aruch, so beautiful. Until sleep grabs him. When you learn that, when you see that, we have our Chazan over here, Shmuel, amazing Chazan. And our former Chazan, Yigal, who was zocher to do uh, aliyah? This is a very spe- this is a musical breakfast here, by the way. You have no idea the the potential talent that we could unleash on you uh, if, uh, if if uh, if they chose to sing some songs. But Shimuel was zocher to see not only a chazan and his father, but also tremendous talmid chacham. And that's why Zachinu, Shmuel, Haim, the ones that we've had a chance to meet, not only are they chazanim, kulano. They learned both. They watched. They saw. They monkey see yani monkey do. 
So every time in the Torah, it doesn't need to tell you, you have a kid like this, and you have a kid like this, and you have a kid like this, because you know why? Anyway, you're not teaching them by teaching them, by educating them frontally. The one time when there's a mitzvah for the kid to ask you and for you to respond, one time, is the night of Pesach. So since the process of education, when it comes to the night of Pesach, is in conversation, so here the Torah has to tell you, be careful when you educate. You're trying to teach him something. This kid, he needs this kind of answer. And that kid, he needs that kind of answer. And the third kid, never mind the answer. Had that don't even have a question, okay? So encourage, coax the question out of him. So the question then becomes, Rabotai, so why when it comes only to Sipur Yisiat Misraim, are we no longer able to educate by deed and we have to educate by speaking? How come over here we changed the educational methodology? Good question? I have to explain this, Rabotai, and I think the answer to this is very simple. They asked once the briskarav. They asked him, what is the most difficult mitzvah in the world to accomplish? Everyone gave different answers, but the briskarav gave his answer. You know what his answer was? He said, Chayav Adam Lerot, Leharot, different Nuschaot, Leharot et Atzmo, Kiilu Hu Yatsami Mitzrayim. As if he himself left Egypt. That you should be able to feel in your chair, in your house, you know, with your family, that as if you were a slave, that you left Egypt. If, to, be, to be able to bring that to life it's to such a degree that you feel that that's what you are, that that's what you did, that's very hard. Briskarov said that was the mitzvah that he struggled with the most. My friends, if that's the case, that's why on this mitzvah specifically, you can't teach by doing. It's so difficult to actually leave Egypt in front of your children, to actually feel like that's how you are. So therefore, what we did was to ensure that you didn't rely on the normal process of teaching, which is where they watch you experience and do the mitzvot. Since this mitzvah is so hard to be able to create in yourself, how are your kids going to watch you and learn? So here, we required you to tell them. Here we required you to spend as much time. Here we obligate you to tell stories. Here we obligate you to teach them about the Chachamim gathering together and talking about Yisiat Misraim. I forget, I actually just read this yesterday. Um, I don't remember who it was. I think it might have been Rav Chaskel Abramsky. I'm not sure. I have to go back and check uh, where I saw this. He walked in on his rabbi um, on, the, on the night of Pesach. And the rabbi was in the room by himself. And there was a bunch of chairs lined up in the room on either side. And the rabbi was walking back and forth. He had put chairs together in a row, two lines of chairs. And then he walked back and forth in between the chairs. So the rabbi who saw his rabbi says, what is this? And whoever the rabbi was, the rabbi says, what do you mean? Don't you see it? It's the Yamsuf. The ocean is split. Now this is a great rabbi put, piling up chairs to be able to help, to create in his mind, to be able to try and see it, to be able to try and feel it. When he passed away, his student said, the last person 
who truly experiences as if they left Egypt has now passed. That's what he said about his Rebbe. Fascinating. So my friends, I must tell you, the Moroccans have a minhag on the night of the Seder. I don't know if anyone's ever been to a Moroccan house. I was, I couldn't believe it. I did a Pesach program and I came in, right? They have this whole song they sing. But not only that, they get dressed up. They have robes, they have turbans, the whole thing. And they dress up to be able to try and, uh, and evoke that. And I think it's a wonderful thing. And the funny thing to me is that when are we getting dressed up on, on Purim? No mitzvah de oraita to get dressed up on Purim. No mitzvah de rabbanat to get dressed up on Purim. But one could say that it might actually be a mitzvah de oraita, or at least a sniff of mitzvah de oraita, to get dressed up on the night of Pesach. My brother gets dressed up on Pesach. And I bought one of these little tur- like paro turbans, and a thing, and a thing with a whip. And I try, and as much as I can, to communicate that story to the kids, to bring it to life. Okay? This is an obligation we all have. And if you can't teach this uh, by showing it on yourself, because it's so difficult to really transform yourself into a slave, then it becomes your obligation to try and use the very best words to describe it. And once we're using words, says the Baal Haggadah, each one of your kids needs different words. If you have older kids, younger kids, smarter kids, less kids, more rebellious kids, you have to figure out how to say each thing. Now, I, I thought to myself that according to logic, it must mean that if a person has all four children, he has an obligation not just to say that line to them, but to give them over at least the bare minimum of Sipur Yisiyat Mitzrayim in their kav. Did you understand that? So in other words, if there's a mitzvah, he got a talibincha. And the Baal Haggadah, the Tanaim, are telling us that there are four different types of children. That means that really, within your seder, in a normal family, you have to be running at least four sedarim. Fascinating. Because we don't translate the word rasha. There was once a, a rabbi who said, you know, how come every single year you see they come out with new Haggadot? There's, like, there's more sefarim on the Haggadah in the, in the bookshops than there are on anything else. I don't know if you know that. You, there's like, they come out with stacks every year. He says, why do they have to put out a new stack of books every year on the Haggadah? And he said, he says, because by the time we get to this year, last year's Rasha is already this year's Tzaddik. As the generations fall, the guy who last year in the Haggadah was Rasha, he's this year's Tzaddik, he's this year's Chacham. So we know we need to keep putting out a new Haggadot, okay? So, uh, if, if, uh, if a person, we already explained on Shabbat that the idea of the Rasha doesn't necessarily mean someone who's wicked per se, but it might mean, mean someone who doesn't have that connection with, uh, with Torah in the proper way. So everybody's got all four of these kids in their house. And according to some opinions, everyone has all four of these sons within themselves. An element within which you're a Chacham. I have people who come and they want to ask me questions. Rabbi, I want to know the best way to do this mitzvah. But then you see the guy blowing past other avonot. Doesn't even care. In this mitzvah he's a chacham. And in this mitzvah he's rasha. He considers it avodah azot lachem. It's a fascinating thing. It's really, it's very interesting. The same guy who, uh, you know, he's makpid with every kind of hakpadot, you know, to do this or to do that. 
When it comes to the other thing, the guy doesn't want to hear about it. Ah, it's not for me. Too religious. Interesting. That for that. And then it comes in certain things that the guy's a little bit simple. He doesn't, uh, he didn't do much research into this object. And then it comes to some things where the guy is so befledged, he's like, I don't even want to know. He's in or there, let's Okay? So we have this obligation to have a, uh, a varied conversation flowing at, at our Pesach Seder. Hashem should bless us to be able to have Sedarim uh, that instill, as the Zohar says, instills emunah in our children, almost like a mother's milk to a baby. It gives the nutrients and the vitamins that's required to be able to communicate emunah from one generation to the next. That's what's happening at the Seder. Unbelievable things. It says in the Zohar that HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes down with his malachim to every single seder. And he says to his malachim, look, look at my children. Look at what they're saying. Yeah, Unbelievable. He gets everywhere. By the way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he has no problem. He has a green passport. He could get into any country. He's taken the second vaccine already. He got it first. He's allowed in everywhere. He doesn't need a mask. He's amazing, Hashem, okay? So he, he comes down and he sits with the malachim and they listen to the chidushim that you say. Beautiful. And not only that, it says in the Zohar, that end of that piece in the Zohar says, and kaviachol, it's as if with our words, when we talk about Borei Olam, we give koach la'adonem, we give, so to speak, strength to God. Again, whatever that means, we're not going to talk about it now. We give strength to God to redeem us by talking about what he did when he redeemed us last time. By increasing our emunah, Borei Olam can also act on a higher level of hashkacha piratit with us. So the, the wonders of the Seder night never cease, um, but it requires that little uh, ounce of preparation, uh, which is worth a pound of cure. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Chananya ben HaKashom. Yeretz